This is the MDRT Podcast. When markets decline and show few signs of recovering soon, you, of course, help clients who are a long way from retirement remember that their financial strategies are built for the long term. But what about clients who plan to retire soon? During a recent Zoom call, MDRT members... David Appel, Newton, Massachusetts. Julianne Hertel from Worcester, Massachusetts. Dick Dobson from Cedar Falls, Iowa. Explain how to address and alleviate concerns from this clientele. With a lot of people from MDRT, we come from the risk protection backgrounds. And so all of the people that have been concerned that are either in retirement or about to go into retirement, we already had a lot of their money, the first bucket of money that they're going to touch or the active bucket of money that they're touching in fixed accounts because you know most of us really value that. So my conversations have been a lot easier because we've been saying, well, we knew this was going to happen. Yeah, we've only been getting 2.5% return on this account for the last couple of years when the market was up 15% or more. But guess what? This is the money that we're going to go do. We can let all that money sit and rebound and it'll be fine. I'll just add, I mean, I, obviously I don't deal on the investment side that much, but when it comes to retirement accounts or retirement planning, again, I haven't had a discussion in the last two weeks about it, but it's something that's incorporated into all my meetings and discussions. It's more if the market goes down, there's two things that we kind of talk about. One is have a piece of life insurance in place that's there to kind of fulfill the retirement chunk of money that might not be there from the investments or if the investments go down and it might not recover to have that cushion of life insurance there for the family or the remaining spouse. And then also for a lot of my clients that are in their 40s and 50s, we're talking about making sure that there's some portion of their life insurance portfolio that is permanent coverage that's building some equity. So in a market like this, in this down market, the clients that would have that now all of a sudden their, their retirement accounts are a third of what they were two weeks ago, potentially, instead of taking withdrawals and, and further decreasing the value of that retirement account, taking withdrawals from their life insurance policy first, going to some fixed income and fixed assets there and and being able to have the option of having a couple of buckets to choose from when it comes to retirement and not having to then take withdrawals or money from that retirement account or from those investments that are at a low point, but being able to dip into the insurance policy at the time of the low market. And it's amazing when you run the graphs as to Even if you took withdrawals from an account, let's just call it a million dollar account, and you took withdrawals at the three worst times when the market dipped versus taking those three withdrawals from another bucket, the money in 20 years, the difference is astronomical as to what's in it if you took money out of a down market versus taking it from a different bucket of money. That's a kind of a bit of a sequence of returns kind of issue, isn't it? the timing and the distribution of those invested monies. But I think it really puts a fine point on what their mix was going into this. If they were a little hot into the investment side, which a lot of people were because we've been rewarded for that behavior every day for the last three or four years, actually back to 2008, we've been rewarded for hanging in there and staying in the market, ever increasing percentage of our assets in equities when that may have been a structural change that needed to be looked at prior to coming into this. And now they're feeling that volatility. That's a little uncomfortable. And it's kind of the analogy about, you know, you have to be careful of averages. If you had a lump of hot coal, burning coal in one hand and a chunk of ice in the other, on the average, you're supposed to be doing pretty good, right? (laughs) And so uh, it's important, I think, to make the distinction between what should be at risk and what shouldn't be. And 
after the smoke clears, if we get the V-shaped event that we're looking for here that happened in 1917, that's happened almost every time there's a transitory issue with the market, meaning we know there's a beginning, middle, and end. This is different than North Korea and its nuclear capabilities. That's not going away. That's a threat that's underlying and boiling all the time. And this isn't. This will be over at some point. And so I think that that gives us lots of hopes, not only as business people, but also as we look out for our clients' interests as well. We know it'll be over with. So we're asking them for their forbearance and their patience in this matter so that they can see it through. I like to call it clicking on the high beams. Yeah, there's a couple of potholes in the road here, but if we flip on those high beams, look how smooth it is down the way. We've Mm -hmm. got to look beyond the 10 foot in front of our car and look down the road further. And if we do that, I think that they'll realize, yeah, maybe we're a little heavy in these equities. Look, when this is all over, we're going to get together and we're going to set that straight. So we're going to have some of your safe money that we know you can't lose. I mean, kind of Tom Hegna's approach, right? Paychecks and playchecks. Don't don't mess with those paychecks. The playchecks, yeah, maybe have some fun with, but have enough income in by design in your life so that you don't have to worry when events like this happen. Dick, you have great analogies. I really love the one talking about averages of the coal and the ice. <laughs> you can feel that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good one. Are there specific client examples that help show where people's heads are at and how you reassure them? I can give an example. So every evening my mother calls me and says, how did the market do? (laughs) How are you doing? How did the market do? And my parents are my clients. And then she says, okay, you know, are we going to take money out this year? What are we going to do? And and things like that. Um, And I tell them the same thing. I'm telling a lot of my other clients in retirement, you know, don't, we have some money that's invested. It's nowhere near as aggressive as the market as a whole. But you've lost some money. Yeah, let's be real. You have lost some money. But we also have a fixed bucket. And so if we need to go into any money this year, that's the bucket that we're going to go into. And we're going to let all the money just recover at the end of it. So I've had that conversation with about a handful of clients that are really concerned because they're in retirement or about to be in retirement. They're taking their distributions. And we have fixed buckets, fixed assets that we can go to and let everything recover. And they say, this was the plan. And so now we're just working the plan. And people feel really great about that. And maybe not great, better. They feel better about that. (laughs) It's an organic part of it. What we see now in the volatility, that's what we signed up for. And if that's uncomfortable to them, then maybe there was some structural changes in the offing that we missed as advisors or that are need to be addressed when the smoke clears. I hate to make structural changes under the heat of the gun. I don't think people make good decisions because they're responding emotionally. It's like Nick Murray said, he goes, you know, what percentage of decisions are made by emotions? He said, pretty much 100% of them. And then we, as humans, we gin up some logical explanation. Well, yeah, I bought this, but you know, it was on sale. (laughs) And so we almost need to give our clients both the emotional response and also the logical justification for the decision just to help them along. The only thing I would add from my end, and I can only relate it back to 2008, you know, because this is all still too new for right now, but with insurance products, whether it's life, disability, long-term care, whether it's corporately, whether it's individually, you know, they tend to be bought and they tend to be put up on the shelf and they're not being reviewed, they're not being monitored, they're not having policy reviews and audits. And 
one of the things that I saw post 2008, because it's very easy to pay an insurance premium when your retirement accounts and your investments are going up and you're pulling money from that to pay premiums. But when your assets drop 20 to 40%, they may cause them to pause for a minute and hesitate as to what they have, why they bought it, how's it performing. So one of the things that I'm going to end up seeing, and I know I'll see coming in the next 12 months, is advisors and people bringing me policies that they've had and asking, are they still functioning the way that I want them to function? Are they still working? And especially policies that were tied to the market, whether they're variable life contracts or others, to make sure that you know when you take a hit like they've taken, are they structured, as Dick says, structured the right way? Were they structured the right way to sustain this? And will they be there for the family as they expect it? So one of the things I will just say is that when it comes to this, and even if they're pushing 50s or 60s, is that this will cause people to take a pause and review what they have and what's in their portfolios, not just on the investment side, but on the insurance side as well. That's the end of this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, you can find us on SoundCloud and Spotify at MDRT Podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you.